have kids, they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I'll be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast. And I am very excited for today's guest. She is going to be our final guest in the COVID Compassion series. And she is a clinical psychologist. So we're going to talk all things mental health and, you know, how to manage what's up next in this crazy journey that we've all been on together. So I'm very excited to introduce Dr. Leah Katz. Hey. Hi. <laughs> here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So I'm going to start by reading your bio and then we're going to dive right in. Okay. Leah Katz, PhD, is a clinical psychologist practicing in Portland, Oregon. Originally from New York, she completed her doctorate training at Farkoff. Is that, am I saying that right? (laughs) Graduate School of Psychology. While living in New York, Dr. Katz worked at a community clinic where she led several groups treated individuals and couples in therapy, and taught a course in health psychology at Stern College for Women. She currently works in group practice where she specializes in working with teenage girls and women with a focus on treating anxiety and depression. She utilizes a hybrid of cognitive behavioral, ACT, and mindfulness techniques in her therapy work. She has gone on several mindfulness retreats and incorporates mindfulness concepts into therapeutic work that she does. She also facilitates mindfulness groups for the broader community. Dr. Katz is passionate about girls and women's health and helping women navigate challenges to live deeply connected and fulfilled lives. She's in the process of publishing her first book, yay, which will be released later this year. Oh, so amazing. And I, I also, you write for Psychology Today a lot as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, what a resume. <laughs> well, I'm honored to have you here. It's so great and so needed during this time. So we chatted a little bit before the show about how, you know, the world's going through not just stress and anxiety and unknowns and everything else, but just like massive change and change can be so hard as we know, change can be one of the most difficult things we have to deal with. And when you're talking about change on a global scale you know, there's obviously varying opinions of, you know, what that all means and what that all looks like. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But first, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about you. You know, how did you get here? What's your deal? <laughs> you know, what does what this whole quarantine look like for you? Sure. And thanks again for having me. It's great to yeah. be here. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm a clinical psychologist. I grew up on the East Coast. I moved to Portland, Oregon about six years ago. So that was a really big change for me, moving from a big city to a smaller environment. Um, And more recently, I've gotten back into writing. 
And that's where psychology today comes from. Um, I'm passionate about writing and connecting with people um, in a broader way. And um, yeah, and quarantine life for us, I think has probably been similar to a lot of people taking it day by day. You know, like that's what I kind of say when people ask me, how are you doing? (laughs) How are you managing? You know, like my standard go-to answer because I feel like I've tried on different answers and this is the one that works is we're taking it day by day, Um, which I think is really all that we can do during this time because things have been changing. We don't know what tomorrow is going to look like more so than ever. Um, and so just kind of reminding myself to not get too ahead of myself and my thoughts and my planning and kind of bringing it back to right now. So yeah, man, trying to juggle it all, like everybody else working, kids, family life, um, schooling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Tell me about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so what would you say to like, as a clinical psychologist, as somebody who studies, you know, behavior and the human brain and who understands how it all works, you know, what would you tell someone who's trying to cope with the stress of all of the juggling and balancing act that is, you know, this whole situation right now, homeschooling and, you know, having partners home, or maybe you are doing it on your own and you've lost your, your assistance, whether that's childcare or your, or grandparents or whoever that is, you know, what would you tell them? from a, a psychology standpoint, like of, of dealing with this other than day by day, because, you know, that's easy to say, but when you really break that down, what does that mean? Like how, how do you manage that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's such a great question. And I think there are so many different ways of answering it, but the first thing that's coming to my mind um, is this idea of having self-compassion and kindness for ourselves. And it's easy, I think generally not to do that. And I think, especially in times of stress, we get harder on ourselves. And when the expectations are higher and everything else is changing, we kind of become really, we can become really harsh with ourselves and feel disappointed and not meeting all of everybody's expectations. So I think that would be the first thing is just this idea of self-compassion. You know, when everything else is changing around us, our expectations of ourselves have to change. And if they don't, like that's, that's a really harsh way of living. So how can we bring the bar down pretty much in every area and learn to let go of the things that are not of utmost importance, you know? So, and I maybe like, I mean, this could, you know, again, like these ideas do sound nice and talk and what do they mean practically? So that might even mean making a list of priorities, you know, like maybe demands and priorities. So what's expected of me right now and what's my top few in terms of that ranking and, and investing my energy in those few things and learning to say no to the things that I can't do or learning to cut back on those responsibilities. Um, that would be like the first way that I would answer that question because I just think that that's like an easy one to forget. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, I love that self-compassion and, and surrendering, right? Yeah. I, we hear this word surrender being thrown around quite a bit now. And, you know, I think some people associate surrender with, you know, giving up, putting your flag in the sand and just like done. But really to me, and I know to a lot of thought leaders out there, speaking of this word surrender really just means letting go it means you know because change is inevitable change is the only thing that's constant right and consistent in life you know it's it's letting go of the way things were and I think as moms we are so built to do this because we've already had to do this right the second you become a mom things change everything changes your priorities shift your responsibilities shift your you know desires and dreams and thoughts and the way you do things like everything shifts so we're already 
you know, we already have a toolkit available mm-hmm. to us on how to do this. It's just applying that again to, to this current situation, I think. So yeah. I, I love that. Self-compassion is, is yeah. so important. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I, when I hear the word surrender, you know, like my mind automatically thinks of acceptance, right? Like they're very similar words and acceptance isn't this like, kind of like giving up, like, well, I'll just accept whatever this is. It's this really intentional way of meeting ourselves in this time. Right. So acceptance of the situation, acceptance of our feelings, acceptance of not being able to do as much, right? Like it's this really gentle way of turning towards ourselves and surrendering, you know, like giving up, letting go of the things that we can't, that we just, we just can't do in a very compassionate, non-judging way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, (laughs) already as moms, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be everything, to be like, to wear this cape and be this superhero to everyone and everything and put everyone before us and, you know, cook the meals and clean the meals and buy the groceries for the meals. And, you know, mm-hmm. buying groceries right now is even a difficult task because, you know, there's lineups and there's social distancing rules and all of these things. It's, it's a, it's kind of a, a process, you know, and then it's like still working and trying to provide for the family or sharing now space at home with a working partner or whatever that looks like. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, we don't have to do it all. And I say this to moms all the time, you know, you are not expected to do it all, all the time. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to, you know, give yourself a break, give yourself a moment, take a deep breath. Like you are still human. (laughs) You are not a superhero and that is okay. There is nothing wrong with being a human woman and, you know, having your own thoughts and needs and desires and dreams and, you know, yeah. So how would you tell our listeners to like, what are some tangible tools to sort of bringing yourself off that ledge when you're feeling all of the emotions and all the guilt because you feel like you should be doing everything all at once. And then you start feeling like you're failing, like you're slipping away and you know, it's, it becomes too much and overwhelming. You know, what are some, some tangible tips for for stopping that or, or helping with coping with that. Yeah. I mean, so I think like just going back just a minute, you know, like not only is it okay to ask for help and to know that we can't do it all, like it's kind of necessary, yes. right? Because, you know, all the, all the quotes that we know, you can't pour from an empty cup and, you know, and they're not just nice phrases. It's really, really true, you know? So when we give and we give and we don't ask for help, we really deplete ourselves to the point where it's really hard to give more and we're definitely not giving to ourselves. So this idea of asking for help and how can we kind of bring ourselves back from the ledge is really, really important for our well-being and the well-being of those that we're taking care of. Um, So what does that look like practically? I mean, something, so this was going through my mind when you asked me the question earlier in terms of how can we cope with the big feelings and all the changes that are coming up for us. Um, I, you know, I always think about like the three preventative strategies. So three things that we can do for ourselves to put our best foot forward and set ourselves up for success in terms of dealing with challenges are, and this is pretty basic too, but it's, it might be a good reminder for some people is I think of it as like the triangle taking care of our eating. So really monitoring our, um, our, you know, what we're putting into our body, the amount of caffeine we're drinking, which can really like, you know, I mean, everybody has a different barometer for how much they can tolerate, but I think we've all probably experienced that feeling like too much caffeine and that just makes us feel more agitated in a time when we're already feeling quite anxious. Um, so 
eating and then sleeping, monitoring our sleep. So really trying to put some boundaries around the sleep in whatever way you can. Um, And I understand that those of us with kids, you know, there's a lot of that that's out of our control. So I'm not saying like, we've got to get like eight tight hours of sleep a night because that's not possible for everybody, but certainly trying to monitor ourselves where we can and try and protect our sleep. So if that means watching a little bit less TV at night or um, getting into bed a little bit earlier so that you fall asleep a little bit earlier. So it's the eating, the sleeping, and then the physical, the physical exercise, moving our bodies, getting out, you know, even if we just get outside without moving, that's also therapeutic and helpful. So, I mean, those are like the three basic preventative self-care things to be thinking about right now. And then we can add on in a a million different ways from that. You know, like what is it that anchors you really is like the question. Like, what is it that I can connect to for myself in little bitty ways? um, Because, you know, we don't want to overwhelm ourselves now with other expectations of taking care of ourselves, right? So how can I kind of anchor myself to something that gives me a bounce in my step that makes me feel cared for that I'm nurturing myself And how can I practice them in small baby steps every single day? And that looks different for different people. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much because we talk about self-care kind of an absurd amount on the show because it is just so, so simple, but so imperative. And I I think people forget it's the first thing we let go of is taking Mm -hmm. care of ourselves. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, everyone else has to eat. There's nothing left for me. I'll just eat like the leftover crumbs on somebody's plate. Oh, you know, everyone else is now in bed. I'm exhausted, but now I need time for me. So I'm just going to stay up and watch TV or whatever it is, right? Like the last thing to go is our self-care always, Mm -hmm. especially in times like this where routines are getting shifted, you know, like maybe the kids are staying up later or my kids specifically are, you know, coming into our bed in the middle of the night. Maybe it's nightmares, maybe it's whatever energy, who knows what, what causes it, but they're there. So it's like, how can I continue with my routine if their routines are all messed up and they're invading in on my routines. And, you know, so I I think it's such a good and important reminder that self-care isn't necessarily, you know, back rubs and bubble baths and, you know, extravagant spa days. Self-care is literally stepping outside and taking a deep breath. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just doing something for ourselves. If you love to read, maybe it's just like read 10 pages. Yeah. Don't commit to a whole book. Don't overwhelm yourself with expectations that are unrealistic. Give, give yourself 10 pages. Wake up 20 minutes before the kids get up and read 10 pages of a book. Mm-hmm. That simple like shift in your, in your schedule can like totally change your energy. Like I got up this morning you know, my bed was cozy. My two of my three kids were in there (laughs) with me because I don't even know when they came in in the middle of the night. You know, it was warm when it was like actually freezing cold outside. I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but it was like snowing yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, I got up and I was like, okay, I could go back to that cozy bed because that looks so dreamy. And that's self-care, isn't it? Just like another extra hour of sleep and like being warm and cozy. But instead I got up and I went for a run. Oh, wow. And it took effort. I'm not going to pretend that I'm some machine that can, you know, just switch off all of it. It took so much effort, but man, did it feel good at the end of it. The dog came with me. He got his exercise. You know, we got some fresh air. You know, the kids were still snuggled in bed, nice and warm and cozy. It was, you know, freezing, but it warmed up very quickly. And just that like act of doing something for me, I didn't have to worry if everyone was taken care of. I didn't have to worry what they were doing or, you know, what was happening. And, you know, 
fresh air, exercise, something for me. I got to kill like three birds with one stone and I felt amazing because of it. So just little things, but it does take effort. It does. It is like self-care has to be a practice. It takes practice. It takes effort. It's not just like, oh, well, I'm relaxed. I'm going to go have a bubble bath, which is great too. Right. But it's, it's this, this whole, it's the same with gratitude and all of these, all of these theories, like everything has to be a practice. It's something that we can't change overnight and it has to be things that we put into our, our schedule that take effort. And I always say to my kids and my, my husband, it's like, you know, these things to me have to be non-negotiable. Like it is like a doctor's appointment that I wouldn't miss. I wouldn't just be like, eh, I don't feel like going to, to the doctor's appointment this morning if it was for my kid. So why am I negotiating my time? Yeah. Right. I love that. That's so important. And yes, like that clarification of what is self-care, because I yeah. think the popular understanding of it is pampering, you know, like, yeah. and that's great. And there's a time and a place for that. But like Absolutely. what you said, it doesn't always, it doesn't always feel, self-care doesn't always feel great. It's not always something, oh, I really want to go for this run, right? Yeah. I know I've been there myself so many times, you know, but it's the feeling that we get afterwards, right? Like, ah, oh, I just connected to something that's in line with my value, you know, like yeah. taking care of my body and getting outside and investing in myself. That's, that feels good. And that's self-care too. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And that's super important. I think too, like, to lead by example for our kids so they can see that, you know, there's some things that are non-negotiable. Like we don't just drop everything we're doing to, you know, pamper them and make their lives perfect. You know, they. I, I read an article, I think it was New York times. I don't remember, but it was about um, parenting, snowplow parenting. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially like the opposite of helicopter parenting where you're just like hovering over all the time. Snowplow parenting is you just clear the way you yeah. clear the way. There's no obstacles. There's no challenges. You know, kids just have an effortless free life, which sounds great when they're young and in theory, but it's not teaching them any values or lessons. So I always say the best way to teach our children is to lead by example. So -hmm. if they're seeing mommy, you know, like grabbing for scraps on the table because she's starving and she hasn't fed herself or nourished her body or nourished her mind or nourished her soul. You know, they, they pick up on that stuff. Even young kids, they're very smart. They're very impressionable. They're sponges. They just like, they know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and science supports what you're saying as well. You know, like yeah. children learn the most by watching us, you know, and watching what we embody and what we model, you know? So and it's, you know, and many, most of the time, it's not even a conversation. It's not us teaching them or talking with them, but them watching and learning that way. Yeah. yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to give them. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. So people that are, you know, we're, we're all sort of feeling this shift now, I think, where, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what's going on, but we do feel something lifting. You know, it's like, is it almost over? you know, are the kids going to go back to school? Like there's still a little bit of unknown, but I think more so what we need to start preparing for, in my opinion, is the massive change that's about to occur. You know, it's, it's like when you have a child and, you know, all of a sudden everything changes and everything shifts. And that is a massive, massive life transition, right? We hear about, you know, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And, you know, I feel like we're going to go through sort of like a post COVID depression, post COVID anxiety, just because of the the changes that are going to occur. Um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? And, 
when it comes to massive change, you know, even small changes like a move or anything like how, what do you, what are some tools you have for coping with change? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love this question. I actually just, my last article that I wrote for psychology today talks about this. So it's fresh on my mind. You know, I wrote an article about how we grow through challenges, you know, so it's, it captures a lot of what that, what your question asks. Um, and I think that, I think that some ideas for that is, coming up with some sort of strategy of how are we, so when, you know, when and as things change, how are we going to cope with that? And I think the flip of that is how are we going to be intentional with the days that are happening for us right now? You know, so as we move towards that, again, it's like this idea of like bringing ourselves back to today and not getting too far ahead of ourselves. So I think that if we can bring an intention to the days that we have and this idea of, these are the moments that we get and not getting too ahead of ourselves, then that can be really a really powerful thing to take with us as we come out of this. Um, so I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that like was clear enough, but you know, like this idea of how am I going to meet every day that I'm given? So, and, and the foundation of that is so that what, what can I take with this? How can I grow through this experience so that when I'm on the other side, I'll feel like I've truly lived Live, live this experience, you know? So things like, um, you know, I talked a little bit about this before, but like doing some journaling about yourself and this experience, how am I growing through this? What am I, how have I been strong today? You know, like even keeping a journal like that right near your bed, how have I been strong? How I've been brave? How have I been brave? What have I struggled with? You know? So I think when we kind of, we take an accounting of ourselves every day, we have those lessons more internalized so that when this is over, we feel like we've changed, we've grown, and we're bringing that with us into whatever we're meeting. You know, other things like um, this was, I wrote about this too, but I've been thinking a lot about it, making memories, you know, with our families, you know, and those, so those are the things that we're going to take with us, you know, so every day, how can I, how can I be more present for the moments that I have in this day? And that's going to be something that's lasting, right? So, Sometimes it's just about survival and that's okay, right? Sometimes it's just, yep. okay, I'm just going to get through this day because I'm feeling so frazzled and I'm feeling so... But when we have more of like a capacity to meet the day with more intention, that can be something that really broadens us as people and we will be changed by creating that intention every day so that when we come out, we'll, we'll be evolved, we'll be broader, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love... I love how as a clinical psychologist, you bring so much mindfulness into your practice because I think that's so necessary and we see a lot of it. You know, I've worked with coaches, I've worked with life coaches, business coaches, and mindfulness has been such a huge piece of all of the coaching. And Mm -hmm. it's now something I bring into my coaching practice as well. Mm -hmm. But to hear, you know, a doctor, to hear a a clinical psychologist talk about mindfulness in, in such an eloquent way, I think is really incredible because it's so needed. So things like intention and, you know, silence and self-care, and these are all very basic, very simple practices that we overcomplicate and turn into this like weird complex behavior that it doesn't need to be. The simple act of writing down three things you're grateful for, writing down, you know, like you said, journal prompts, like how was I brave today? How was I, you know, whatever it is. How was I mindful today? How did I, how was I strong? Um, I I just think those are such 
you know, they don't take a lot of time, but it makes such a massive shift inside of you. Like mm-hmm. it, it just creates such a powerful presence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, an amazing way to sort of anchor ourselves in who we truly are. So when we come out the other side, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be changed as a society will be changed, be changed as a, you know, a global presence will be changed. But as individuals, like the things that we are passionate about and our core beliefs and the things that we, that anchor us in who we are, we keep, but the rest of it, we can also change and be evolved. You know, how, how, and I keep saying this and it keeps coming up in these conversations. And I think there's a reason for that. You know, repetition is simply just like hearing things in different ways and finally like anchoring it in. But, you know, it's like the metamorphosis of a butterfly and, you know, we're in this cocoon phase now, but how are you going to show up on the other side? How are we going to come out of this collectively? And I hope we change. Yes. Yes. You know, know? yeah. And as we're talking, I mean, like I'm having this thought now of, you know, I think it starts with the individual and it's almost can become a movement, right? Of Mm -hmm. if I'm going to meet this time with intention, you know, and value change, changing myself, then like what we were saying before, kids see that if we have partners or spouses, they see that they bring them that they bring that with them to wherever they go. So if it's kind of this thing that maybe we're beginning to talk about now, as we're thinking about things lightening up, maybe it's something that can be contagious, right? Like, and then as, because I know there's a lot of fear too now around what will life look like after this is done? How will society be changed? It's like people are going down like the fear path and worrying about that but if we can kind of shift focus on like well maybe like we can come out on the other side as a society with some really beautifully learned lessons gosh mm-hmm. like isn't that like isn't that a nice reassuring thought that's also grounded in reality um yeah yeah, yeah. no I love that it should it should be a movement you know it's it's amazing how something like social distancing or whatever they want to call it, physical distancing, you know, it's literally separated us and brought us farther away from each other physically. But why can't this be a lesson to bring us all closer together, Mm -hmm. you know, emotionally, mentally, as a society and and grow and learn from the things that weren't working before and, you know, create a new world that, that works even better. Right. 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 You know, and like when we talk about change and how are we going to be on the other side of this, like just, I don't know, we've said this, but just to emphasize this, because I think it's such a beautiful idea. Like that change starts now, right. Or been happening, whether or not we've known it, we're all changing, right. Like for the positive, because that's what happens when we go through challenges, right. Like there's so many analogies for this, you know, like when you put like the diamond under pressure, that's when it becomes a diamond or, you know, like there's so many analogies like that, but it's so true with us humans as well. When we're challenged and we are present with ourselves and we choose resilience as most of us do, we evolve and we change and it's kind of a process. And so it's noticing it and it's being more intentional about it, you know, in the ways that we can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think it's, it's so important and so powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, if there's anything else you wanted to leave with our listeners today, you know, a a message, a, a tip, a tool, anything else, what, what would that be? Um, Hmm. I mean, I think we've spoken about a lot of beautiful ideas, but maybe it's like just a little way of making this more concrete, you know, like how can we translate this into like something practical might be just spending, you know, even going outside because it's nice to get outside and get away from the noise of the house if there's noise and just being with yourself, just settling into yourself 
paying attention to what thoughts you're having, what physical sensations you're having, you know, how you're feeling and just, and just knowing that that's a piece of this growth, right? Like one minute, you know, I think sometimes people think mindfulness and meditation has to be this big, long practice. It doesn't, you know, it really doesn't. Yeah. No. I love that. Okay. And if our listeners wanted to track you down, cause I'm sure they will, <laughs> they're, they're going to want more of this goodness. Where can they, they best find you? So um, most recently I've gotten on Instagram and that's where I post daily uh, mental health tidbits and just things, you know, mindfulness ideas, things that I've been thinking about. So my Instagram account is at Dr. Leia Katz. Awesome. Um, and I have a website, drleahkatz.com. Amazing. And, yeah, and those are the best ways to find me. Perfect. And I'll put all the links to everything in the show notes. And if we talked about anything specific resource wise, I'll post that there as well. So thank you so much for being on today and sharing all of those amazing tips with our listeners and just for being here and for being you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great talking to you. Absolutely.